This is a production of 1217 Media. Welcome back, Christian here, and you are tuned in for more of my two cents. Yes, that's what we're doing, and hopefully you are ready for this topic because, ooh, it is going to be good. All right, yes, indeed, because I know from experience what this is like, and I'm not here for it either. But before we jump into the topic, I would love to encourage you to like, share. I mean, like, you know, ain't nobody else talking about these topics the way that I am right here. Yes, there are some other spirituals and some pastors and some leaders and some avid churchgoers who like to break open the Bible and give you scripture, chapter and verse, book, chapter and verse. But I'm not doing that. My desk is clean, honey. I don't have no books over here. I don't have no scripture text for you. This is just good old real life on life and experience from experience talking about topics that plague the black church and just the church overall. Mindsets, beliefs, limiting beliefs, bondage, lack of freedom, lack of choices being made, and just people really going through and trying to figure out A, if they're crazy, B, if they're alone, and C, if God still loves them. That's what I want to have the discussion about here and making sure that we're all transparent, we're authentic, and we are in a safe space to do it. So I don't want to condemn you. I do not want to judge anyone, and that's not what I'm here for, but I do like to give a balanced analysis and perspective and my two cents on a lot of things that go on in the church community. So to give you a disclaimer, I do not go to church anymore. I was born and raised in the church Pentecostal to be exact, but my husband and I took a step back from that in 2015. Well, actually, we started in 2014 disassociating ourselves and unindoctrinating, if that's even a word, ourselves from the church, because church culture. We did not leave Christianity. We are still believers and we do still uh, live our lives off of some of the principle, the foundational principles that... Um, we do connect with and we do relate to and that have proven themselves to be beneficial to us in our faith walk. But we are no longer in church culture. We do not go on Sundays, Wednesdays, even for Easter Sunday or on Mother's Day. We just not doing it because it is a practice that has become traditional religious and it does not have the same values or meaning and structure. And it has really become a man made or man focused event and experience and I would prefer not to experience it with other humans like that. I would love to socialize and engage with people like you who want to have thought-provoking conversations and really live out the words and to really be the light in the world, all right? And the way that you do that is by being salt and light and being real and really living a transparent life where you are trying to figure it out and get it right every day, but you're not struggling to be perfect for anyone. So that is me. This is who I am. And let's get into my two cents on this topic. So today's topic, we're going to be talking about inheriting churches. Can someone inherit a church? What are we doing here? We're passing our ministries. Hey, you're my third born. You're my only son. And you're going to be the one to get this church. All right. Is that really scriptural? Like, I don't have scripture text for it, but from the scriptures that I do know, I have never heard of this being something that is supposed to be done or that is okay to do, especially if God has not called you like integrity wise and just common sense. Cause I just like to have common sense talk. This is not okay to be handing out ministries to your children because we're talking about someone's soul. We're talking about someone being guided spiritually, emotionally, mentally, 
um, and leading them into truth and knowledge and understanding of the scripture, especially if they don't know it. I don't think this is something that should just be haphazardly handed over to someone who may not a be called, may not want to do it and may not have a heart for people. I just think that is such a miscarriage of a calling and of a skill and an anointing and a connection to just be out here handing those titles out to people because you don't want to lose power. Mm. <laughs> Come on, somebody. A lot of the times when churches are are passed off or handed over to the next child or the, the pastor's son or whatever, or the pastor's daughter, because I got three examples I'm going to use today, okay? When it's handed over to a child, um, it's usually because the pastor, the father, has built such a high status of a ministry that he or she does not want to pass it on to just anybody. They want it to stay in the family. They want that control. They want that reputation. They want that brand. They want that ministry and that effectiveness and impact to stay within the influence of their own family lineage. And for me, I do not think that it's okay to operate that way. If we are going by just really wanting to be effective in ministry, your children should not be the first ones up to inherit a church. Honestly, I don't think that that's the acceptable way to do it. But like in one of my previous videos about cultish behavior from a church, who gonna check them? There's no accountability. Like who's gonna tell them, okay, your father has passed on. We're now going to vet or see if another strong pastor who has like experience and leading and guiding flock and, you know, or somebody from the church who may have also been a great associate pastor or evangelist in the ministry would take over. Mm -mm. That's not what's happening nowadays. Your son or your daughter just finna get it because you're not finna pass that that baton over to just an unknown, a rando, as they say. <laughs> you're not finna pass it on to a rando. You want to give that to someone you know so that you can keep doing the things you've been doing and things can keep flowing the way they've been flowing. You don't want to relinquish that title and that position to just anyone. So it's almost like in, in a hierarchy, like in kingdoms. You don't just go outside of the lineage to get make somebody else a prince or a, a princess or a queen or a king. It goes in order, right? That should not be the same order of church, but it is. And nobody's checking it. So we're going to talk about it today because I got time. And that's on who? Harafe. I use Harafe instead of period. I ain't saying period in my videos. I'm going to say on Harafe. Okay. And that's on Harafe. Um, and I call it Harafe because it's a giraffe, but for the verse, for like the purpose of luxury, I like to say Harafe. The G is silent and it makes it feel expensive. All right. This definitely came from Burlington, but it's giving me very much couture. Child, my daughter didn't put a rubber band on Harafe's face. Mm, mm, mm. to be more careful who you let in the office child so <laughs> while Harafi is over here getting out of his bondage we are going to discuss inheriting ministries is it something that should be done is it scriptural do you even want to stay at a church that's been inherited after the initial called pastor goes on to be with the lord or passes away or steps down who who's making these calls and is it all right Let's talk about it. So the first term, and term that comes to mind for me is nepotism. 
We know what nepotism means in form of corporate America and jobs and business ownership, right? So I own a business. My husband owns a business. We own businesses together. And I want my children to inherit our businesses, period. I mean, harafe. I want my children to inherit my business. I do. That's legacy. That's what we're building it for, for generational wealth. Your church is not generational wealth. It should not be a generational wealth plan for you. Man, it breaks my heart, y'all. Like, I can't, I can't even begin to express how much it hurts my heart to think that this is even possible or that it's even happening because these are, these are leaders who were a initially called, right? Pastors who accepted the calling of being a pastor and a shepherd and to lead a flock. And then to so haphazardly pass it on to somebody else because you think they should have it is wrong. And that's just the black and white of it. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk, right? I wish it could be that easy. But nepotism, the practice amongst those with power or influence of favoring relatives or friends, especially by giving them jobs. This is conversation that ain't nobody else having, y'all. Nobody is talking about this. Nobody is talking about this topic. And it grieves me. It does. It grieves me right now. And I don't even go to church, but I'm seeing it still be done. And it grieves me um, because I'm thinking about the members who, who have probably been committed to the first leader. And now they just have to stick around for whatever the new person, the new child, you right? Like you, you, you serve under one person for 20, 30, 15, 10 or five years, and then they pass on or they step down or whatever. And now you're just thrusted into this new leadership and you don't know what this person believes, what their intent is, what their heart is, if they care for you or if they just care for money, if they want power, where did they come from? Who called them? Are they, are they ready for this level of responsibility and accountability? Do they have what it takes to really lead other people unbiased and with a pure heart? Who are we dealing with here? I feel like to me, it would be like dropping my child off with a complete and total stranger after they've been going to one school and I've grown to like these people and I know them and I trust them. And then I just hand off my baby to somebody else that was at Walmart because, hey, I got a daycare now, right? Like she passed this daycare over to me. Well, no, 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 no. I need to see your references. I need to know who you are, what you've been doing, what's your experience? What are other people's experiences with you? Do you really like children? Like, that's how I feel about people's souls and people's spirits and people's guidance in all things spiritual, because there are people who need spiritual guidance. I'm not going to say that people, everybody should stop going to church. That's not what I believe. Church wasn't for me. Church just isn't for me anymore because I've gotten what I needed. And I know people will say, well, forsake not the assembling of thyself amongst our brethren. Keep that scripture, okay? Because I assemble myself with my other family members who are also believers. And we have very good, wholesome uh, fellowship and conversation. Better than any that I had when I actually was in church. We're not talking about people and tearing people down. We're actually encouraging and uplifting and sharing the goodness and talking about blessings and manifesting in abundance and growth and increase and how to treat people right and how to handle real life on life issues from work to relationships to saving to traveling to to buying homes. That is growth for me. That pours and gives me life. 
that pours and gives me life. And so when I think about that scripture, people saying, don't forsake the assembling of thyself. Some of you all continue to assemble yourself in the midst of mess. Some of you all continue to assemble yourselves in the midst of strife and bitterness and anger and, and jealousy. Some of you all go to church just to look at people and judge them. Some of you got, some of you all go to church just to talk about how the pastor preached or who he was talking about or who spoke to you or didn't, who was there or who wasn't. Some of y'all should forsake the assembling of yourselves amongst some of y'all brethren and sister. But y'all just want to keep going out of tradition. And then you get situations like this where your churches are being inherited by your pastor's kids. And they don't know the first thing about leading a church. Yo. <laughs> All right. The definition of nepotism. I just laid it out to you. The practice amongst those with power or influence. Your, your pastor has power and influence over you. So much so that he or she knows that they could leave, leave this church to somebody else and you're not going to do anything about it. They don't want to lose that power and that influence. If it leaves their circle or their family, that leaves somebody else to take over and then makes their family have to step down in, in hierarchy. And they don't want that. So I'm going to pass this on to my son. So it's still in my name. Trash. Toxic. Don't like it. Zero stars do not recommend I will pass our business down to our son and daughter if they want it, because that's a business. I can teach them the business. I can teach them how to keep the books, how to operate the systems and the processes and the programs and how to do payroll, right? How to treat employees, how to implement structure, how to um, handle the accounts and, you know, private labeling and, you know, accounting and uh, growth structure and strategy for scaling, I can teach that I can groom my son or my daughter to take over the family business. How do you groom somebody to take over the family church? Okay. See, you see where I'm going with this? It can be taught. People are out here teaching their loved ones how to take over for them so they don't have to give it up to somebody else who actually may be called. Whose season it may actually be to lead people into another point of breakthrough or increase or growth. Some ministries do not grow and will not grow because it's under the wrong leadership. People that don't have the right heart, the right mind, the right intent, the right resources, the right relationships. Y'all have to understand ministry is more than just crying, shouting, hollering and worship service. It's life on life. Who's going to help these people grow to the next level? Not just in God, but in their own life. Because if you're not properly preparing people in your ministry to go out and do life with other people and be a light, what are you doing? What's the effectiveness? Think about it when you talk, like think about it from the perspective of war, like an army general or, you know, a, a higher up in, you know, an army or a force, air force or something like that. They groom their group. And I'm not using the right words, but they groom their their group for battle. They prepare them. They give them what they need to be ready when it's time to show up for action. Call of duty. When it's time for you to go out there and do what you're supposed to do, be a hashtag no limit soldier. I thought I told you. What have you been giving them 
as far as resources, information, knowledge, structure, and, and all of that to be ready to go out there for battle, to actually take over and to do what needs to be done. And some people are not prepared. And so when you think about inheriting a ministry, what have you been prepared for? Like some things you don't, I don't want you to tell me how to run a church. Like, to be honest with you, I prefer to be called because some of my life experiences will help me to lead people in a better way. I may advance the kingdom and advance this ministry. The new season of people coming in, I may have what they need to help them grow and to help this ministry grow and to be more of a beacon to the community. But if you're giving it to your children who are not called, who are just doing it because you did it and they know the vernacular and how to orate because they've seen you do it their whole lives. They've seen you. PKs, pastor kids. That's a whole terminology in the church world, y'all. PKs, pastors, kids. And they do not have a good reputation because they be the biggest problems and they have the least amount of accountability because of who they're associated with. But we're going to turn this over to them to do what? To be tyrants? All right. So the first person, Fred Price Jr. Fred Price Jr. inherited a 28,000 member church from his father, Fred Price. I grew up with Fred Price on my TV. My mom would have Fred Price on. It was nothing. Whenever his broadcast was on, because the TV usually stayed on one channel. Or if it wasn't on a, on TV, it was the broadcast on the radio. And my mama would keep it on the same thing all the time. Wake up hearing these people go to sleep hearing him. Uh, uh, the 700 Club. What was that other man? Uh, oh my goodness. It was just so many of these people. Like... I'm low-key glad I for, I've forgotten some of these pastors' names because it, it's, it's just, it's a lot of indoctrination and you just find yourself taking in their information and their words and their rhetoric sometimes all day long, just getting in your, in your spirit and your system. And so Fred Price Jr. inherited a 28,000 member church. Do you think that his father wanted to leave that to another pastor in their ministry? No. Why? Because that man built that. That's man-built. That's man-built. He didn't want to relinquish that to some rando. He wanted that to go to his son. Baby, this your, you're going to hear this. But what did Fred Price Jr. have to do? Step down. Fred Price Jr. had to step down from his own, by his own choice, right? I don't know if, it, if something would have been revealed that would have made him have to be forced to be sat down. But he stepped down on his own choice on his own of his own volition and he cited personal misjudgments so to this day we do not know we can only speculate what fred price what fpj did we can only we can only assume that fred price did something that was unacceptable the way that that video showed him at the front of the church with his wife barely holding his hand or making eye contact with him looking very giving very much hillary and bill clinton Vibes, personal misjudgments. You have to step down from a 28,000 member ministry that your father gave to you. Now your father should be giving you houses and cars, right? But he should not be giving you 28,000 member ministries if you're not prepared, if you're not called, because then things like this will have to happen. You are, you. it is okay for you to have personal misjudgments. I'm not saying that Fred Price Jr. was supposed to be perfect. What I'm saying is it's okay for him to, 
have misjudgments. But what's not okay is for him to not really be called and then have to step down anyway because he was never supposed to have the position in the first place. Next up. Whew. Save people the hurt. Save people the, the shame of being associated with ministries where pastors have problems, but they weren't ever supposed to be in those positions anyway. You all are out here hurting people because you are selfish. Because you don't know how to say, no, dad, no, mom, I, you know, I'm better serving in another ministry, right? I'll always love and support you all and champion what you've been called to do, but that's not my calling. God didn't call me for this. If some of you all would just say that, like they say, like, if you broke, just say that. Like, if you don't know how to cook, just say that. If you're not called by God to lead a ministry, just say that. You ain't got to take it on and try to puff yourself up to become that because you look goofy and you're out of order. It's giving very much. I just want to be a part of a, of a country club because don't play with people's lives and their souls, their emotions. People's emotions get caught up in church and they accept whatever's placed before them when some of them should be pushing back like, no, like, OK, I have served here for, for a couple of decades under your father. He's gone. And I'm gone too. If I don't connect with you, if I don't feel led that you're who should be over this, I'm going to have to, you know, remove myself. I'm not angry, but I'm just not called to serve under you. I was called to serve under your father. I was led by him. He was the man of God that I did connect with and I believed in and did teach a wholesome message and word. Now it's you. Oh, no, I ain't got to stay here for that. I'm not finna get a grandfathered in plan. Oh, baby, you didn't mean grandfathered in underneath this new leadership. Negative. Shut my service off. <laughs> Ow, money. Me and my girlfriend don't like this. It's upsetting me and my homegirls. All right, the next pastor, Joel Osteen. So we've heard about this all before, right? Like he's in Houston, has one of the largest churches, I believe, in North America. Um, Lakewood is humongous. Okay, when the church is so big, you, the, the G got to be pronounced J, humongous. The ministry is huge, y'all. And you guessed it, he inherited the ministry. He is one of six children. Okay, so five other people could have got it, but it went to him. Not a problem, right? I'm not here to talk about these pastors' teachings. I just want to talk about the basis of these individuals inheriting a business, I mean, a church. <laughs> I'm so petty. They're inheriting church businesses. And it's because their, their, their fathers, their parents don't want it to leave the family lineage. They just don't want to see anybody else get it. So it has to go to one of our children. All right. Joe Osteen was the producer of Lakewood's TV broadcast. He was not even an MIT minister in training. He wasn't even an MIT. He wasn't even his father's armor bearer. He wasn't even carrying his daddy's cranberry juice or tea to the pulpit. I mean, well, the stage. Because it's, it's definitely giving stage, honey. It's not a pulpit. He wasn't even leading. He wasn't even carrying his daily Bible or briefcase. Joe Osteen was in the back. All right. Running the production for the TV broadcast that you see in the morning. And this man literally just skipped over 
how many other people who were actually evangelists and pastors and leaders? And he went straight from the back to the front. This man went from the back to the stage. Do you guys see the problem here? Now, does that mean that Joel Osteen has not helped to grow that ministry and scale it? No, he has. But how these people are coming up on these things and how it's just flowing through them. And I'm pretty sure Joel Osteen will pass it on to one of his children. I don't know if he has a son or a daughter. Uh, I, will, I know he has children. I don't know if he has a son or if he has a daughter. He may just have two boys and or two girls, whatever. But he's going to pass that on to somebody with the last name Osteen. And you can believe that like you believe in Jesus. He's going to pass it on to someone with the last name of Osteen because it's family legacy for these people. You're not going to come in and take something my parents built people. This has our name on the side of the building. This is ours. This is not the Lord's house. <laughs> I wish we would have stopped saying that the house of the Lord, this is family owned and operated since 1982 or whenever your father founded it. Y'all need to start telling the truth. These churches are family owned and operated. And they don't have the best biscuits in town. Now, and if you don't like what I'm saying, it's my two cents. I mean, like, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm just being honest. Look at it from a perspective of how would I feel, you know, if my favorite restaurant was under new management. And the food wasn't as good and it wasn't as consistent. Now we're talking about your spiritual soul. Like we're talking about your spirituality. Just being given to somebody else who was just doing what last week? Running the TV broadcast. Now he preaching? Who said that? Who had been said that? Who said that? Who said that? That's how I feel. Who said he was called? Who? Okay. And I'm just supposed to accept it now because... Late pastor, whoever, late so-and-so, late bishop, late apostle. It's out of control, y'all. It's out of control. Last but not least, um, Arisha Hilliard. I ride huge ministry. Huge ministry. Another huge ministry. And her father is still alive. I.E. Hilliard is still alive. And I would say well, but I don't know his business, but we will pray that he is well. Um, Ivy Hilliard is another huge name in the black church in mega ministries. And Arisha has been so lucky and blessed to inherit it while her father is still here to guide her, to lead her and to consult her in all things because he built this and he not going to let it go to anybody. Why not my baby girl? Right. What is this giving? Like it's giving, I'm going to give it to somebody that I can control, that I can influence and that trusts me. I've raised her. She knows her dad. She loves her dad. She's not going to turn on her dad. She doesn't want to see this go down. You're invested in it emotionally and mentally because it's your family. But y'all don't hear me. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Amen. <laughs> Playing. Let me stop playing with y'all. All right. So uh, from one article that I read, it says she's been preaching and teaching for nearly 20 years, but now she's doing it on the biggest platform of her career. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. If I could put up my church finger and lead this video, I would. 
She's doing it on the biggest platform of her career. So now we have a career in ministry. Y'all don't hear me though. Y'all, y'all, it's not okay. It's just not okay to be out here inheriting ministries. It's just not. I don't care how long a person's been teaching and preaching. It's not okay to get groomed to take over a church. If you are not called and you do not have what it takes, if you're not meant to be the leader of a certain flock to lead them in a right way, in the right way, in fullness and wholeness, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? Who has permitted you guys, who have released you all to just be out here passing down ministries and titles to people? So, Arisha, quote here. It has been a journey that has been amazing. I've been preparing for it for years. But to finally be here is exciting, she said. Hilliard is the new senior pastor of New Light Christian Center Church. Okay. I've been preparing for it for years. But to finally be here is exciting. Okay. I'm not going to say nothing else about it. So let me get to my points. One, you cannot pass on an anointing. You cannot pass down an anointing. You cannot pass down an anointing. Two, you can be groomed. As Arisha just so poignantly poignantly told us, I've been preparing for it for years. But to finally be here is exciting. It, it's just giving me very much uh, Sarah Jakes Roberts. Because baby girl is being prepared. She's She's being groomed, all right? Don't think it's for nothing. The Potter's House, I can see Baby Girl with her own location in the next two to five years. Her own location. I said nothing about Torrey. Okay. Will the recipient have the same heart or vision as the initial pastor? This is what I want to know. Will the child that has inherited this ministry have the same vision or heart as the initial pastor? Because when God calls you, like even with the business that I uh, am the CEO of and run with my husband, I have a vision for my company. I have a vision for the business. I know what I want to see happen and how I want things to manifest because it's been shown to me. Now, I can definitely relay that to my children and to my husband, but I know the vision as it is for me and the strategy that will come through me in order for certain things to happen and to you know, to be manifested and for success and for growth. And if you are in a situation where you've inherited a church or your your pastor now has inherited a ministry from his father, that vision was not given to him. Now, a new vision can be casted. Let me be very clear here. A new vision can be casted if indeed this son or daughter has been called and they you know, will lead this ministry into new heights and greatness and all of that and really be a beacon in the community because I'm very big on talking about community. Church should be for community. It should not be for self-serving purposes. <laughs> Do you have the same heart for people? 
that your father or your mother did? Or are you just doing it because it was given to you? That's that's a big question for me. Next, will the parenting pastor influence the child? So will this child walk in the shadows of the parent or will they forge their own way in ministry? Will you feel like people want you to be a little version of whoever gave you the church? If so, that's bondage. If so, that's toxic. If so, why are you here? Right? Like, can we just play some old sermons from your father then? Because if you're just going to try to be a little him, right? Or if you're going to try to be so different from him, it's bondage. And if the people that are, you see your, your father or your mother don't like you, they're going to expect you to be like him. Or they're going to be upset because it's not giving what he used to gave. It's bondage. This is why inheriting ministries are so dangerous. Because you're held to such unrealistic standards from beginning to end. You're expected to either A, operate it just the way that your parents or your parents did, or you're expected to be different from that person. You're never going to please people at all. But the expectations are unrealistic, especially if you're not called. This is why it's dangerous. And I do not advocate for this by any means. Next, what if the child wasn't called? I've covered that re repeatedly throughout this video. What if they weren't called? Okay. You'll never know. You'll never know. And lastly, the desire to keep it all in the family. Family owned and operated. Just like a business, so is it in ministry. This is ours. We're not going to let you step in and take it. My daddy built this. My mama built this. We grew up with this. All right. <laughs> okay. And this is why I say church nowadays is not for God. It is man focused. It is man focused. And if you step out of those lines or you show any kind of resistance towards it, you're automatically the problem. Make me the problem, but just know that God is the solution. Make me the problem. God is the answer. Make me the problem and God is coming through because nothing over here is lacking, broken or missing when you step out of foolishness. It is one thing to stay in something because it's where you should be. And it's another thing to stay in something because you're afraid. That's control. That's manipulation. That's low key witchcraft because you're only connected because you are afraid of what may happen if you disconnect. But let me be proof and evidence. My two cents. All will be well for you if you remove yourself. All right. OK, so that's my two cents on the topic and the subject. Let's chat about it. Let's have a dialogue. Let's expound on the topic more. I don't need scripture text about this at all. You can tell me your experience with it or what you think about it. Maybe you've never experienced it. But what do you think about ministries being inherited by the children? Is it right? Is it wrong? Do you think that it's favorable or do you think that it's just toxic periods and operate churches as legacy movements? Oh, my gosh. No. Oh my God, do you come from a lone family of pastors? So, like, why are you bragging about that? That just mean all them know the same road to take to get power. 
Stop it. <laughs> like a family of politicians, a family of ministers. Were all of y'all called? Or did y'all just patch each other in on a Zoom call to each other? All right, let me go. Thank you guys for tuning in for another video. Come back, like, comment, and share. Hopefully something here will motivate you or inspire you to ask more questions. And remember, you are not alone, you are not crazy, and God still loves you. Bye. This is a production of 1217 Media.